Hello everyone and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 176. My name is NBZ and uh, my neck really hurts but I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe I'm sitting weird, maybe I'm hunching over a laptop, who knows these days. You need to get active, get out there, out in the heat. I have here's the thing, Bally. I went skateboarding the other day, though literally the worst day possible because it was like thirty six degrees. It was the height of just ridiculous boiling point in London, and uh, I regretted it because I was just even after my shower, I was sweating. It was bad. Um, so I think I'll get back out there now because uh, the sun seems to have abated for a little while. But my goodness, how um... bad does global global warming have to get before Europe accepts that we also need to become an aircon continent? Exactly. Yes. When when will we it's start weird. building that into our houses? Like I've been I've been to Florida. I've been to Arizona yes. in summer, no less, and they're both bearable because you've exactly. got aircon. Yeah, you just walk into a house and it's like cool, and you're yeah. like, holy shit, like, this is all magic. All the public restaurants and shops are wherever you're going it's cool it's fine and then you just have to like get from point a to b when you're outside they're usually just going into an air-conned car to be honest yeah exactly it's absolutely fine but this country it's just like oh yeah no there's no air-con but the summers it's still going to be quite hot well i'm talking from like an english perspective not a scottish perspective exactly nice and cool up here yeah yeah um how how you doing bali how are things going i'm going good it's it's you've learned how to make pizza which is a fun thing i i'm third time round pizza and me and caroline absolutely nailed it i must say i think first time um was good second time the sauce was much better and then third time we really nailed the sauce plus the base and yeah so check out my twitter account for some pictures of some, pizza. some this is my pizza instagram pics. i just need to post pictures of food exactly just get a food instagram balance all, all i'm there for um great well we're here this is a nintendo podcast a show well, we talk about the video games, um, and uh, and yeah, we're gonna have some cool stuff to talk about this show in particular. We've got our backlog coming up, uh, backlog club coming up, I should say, and uh, and yeah, this stuff is happening. But I just wanted to put a plug at the start of the show here for reviews. Uh, we talk about it infrequently here and there about iTunes and reviews and Apple Podcasts and stuff like that, and there are definitely people who don't use apple products there are people who don't listen via itunes or via apple podcasts now's a really good time to plug apple in is it <laughs> yeah now's yeah great when they're doing just the best work possible with fortnite and epic just oh timing anyway uh maybe just use them because they are still the number one uh kind of aggregator of podcasts so even if you go to any podcasting app um and you go through like finding a show the ones that show up are the ones that are surfaced because of Apple's algorithms and, and things like that. So what I'm saying is we would love some more reviews, some written reviews on Apple Podcasts because uh, we haven't had one in a year. It was August 2019 on the US store. I think we've had one this year on the UK store. But if you're in the US and you enjoy the show, I implore you uh, to to go and, and review us, write us a review on Apple Podcasts because quite honestly that is the main way that we'll grow uh, as a show and um it sucks to have a monopoly <laughs> apple um in many marketplaces <laughs> but uh, podcasting is the same as well in terms of they just control everything uh so 
if you're able to if you if you like the show um and uh, and it's something that you would be able to do then then go ahead and do that we'll leave a link in the description of this episode to directly to the the page um where you can find our show and then kind of go on to apple podcast to review us there um so yeah just uh just a call out there hopefully if if anyone's feeling nice um, and wants to help us out that would be very much appreciated um yeah cool um bali what are we do- doing what are we doing in this show that i'm my voice is going all weird um what are we talking about what are we going to uh, be talking about two segment show this time first segment we're going to talk about the games that we have been playing and the second segment as you mentioned is our next backlog club where we have been playing some nintendogs plus cats so we're going to go in depth on that mm-hmm. game from 2011 on the 3ds yeah launch 3ds oh, launch. game which neither of us picked up old. wow yeah very old um and it shows we'll talk about that (laughs) (laughs) um boy okay uh well let's get into the video games of uh the current times we've been playing bali uh we like metroidvanias on this show uh you've been playing another one uh uh, a nice blending of metroid plus Mm. pinball in yoku's island express tell me about yoku's island express how you how you found that journey I really enjoyed this game. Uh, played it on Xbox Game Pass. It was one of those things where I was leaving Game Pass. I was like, oh, I've got to play that game before it leaves. It's my, the, this is my new stress in life is, oh, that game I want to play is leaving. I've got to play it in and they, Have you seen they've done this weird, like, music video style thing when games are leaving and they wrote a whole song about it? It's super strange. Yeah, um, very that's strange. That's on their Twitter. Uh, um, very strange Twitter account is Xbox Game Pass. But uh, Yoku's Island Express... Um, it's just such a fresh feeling game uh it's as you said it's crafting pinball together with metroidvania uh and it is very impressive in that sense the idea that they're like these crafted pinball tables essentially inside chunks of the world and these include like boss fights and sort of little rooms that build up to bosses and things like that like it's very impressive like the pinball is really good if i was gonna like have a go at kind of that aspect of the design it's kind of the the getting around from point a to b feels a little not flat but it's a it's much slower paced it's very yes and and i listened to what you said about the game mbz because you played this sort of like three quarters into 2019 last Mm -hmm. year and yeah you really criticized there wasn't like a jump like it feels very weird not having a jump button to essentially you know platform around the metroidvania world which we're so used to doing yeah and it's especially frustrating when you get to portions where it's like a tiny little lip like sticking out and you're like oh for god i could jump up there (laughs) right like it it, because the game is built around these structures right they funnel you through certain there's only certain ways you can get from one place to another and i think because i very much when it comes to these types of games and just video games in general you know how much i like movement right and how good it feels to move around the world that type of restriction for me made me dislike a lot of the just yeah, moment to moment playing of the game in uh, that which is sense, why i wasn't as positive on it. i i can see what you're saying and in that sense they've really decided this is more pinball than it we're going to focus on the pinball and less on the movement otherwise and yeah so yeah it's kind of tying your hands behind your back and saying we're playing pinball here you know we're not it's not about the jumping and we're gonna and i i kind of see what you're saying where getting from a to b between the tables essentially can feel quite like um i don't know just a bit slow sometimes but it's it's an incredibly slow paced game like 
there's not actually really any enemies in this world. Sure, there's like a boss or two here and there, but there's not like enemies in the in the traditional sense. Uh, there's obviously no jump, as you said. Uh, for Metroidvania, there's not actually many collectibles. I think there's only like there's some side quests and things, but and there's I think there's only maybe one main collectible, and I don't really know what that collectible does if you get them all. And it felt like I was way off ever getting all that collectible i can't remember what well, like the called. setup is that you're a postman right like you're a delivery yes. ant or whatever um bug you are and you have a post office and you have letters to deliver to different characters some of that is main story stuff i believe some of it is kind of side quests so yeah yeah um but other things this game does incredibly well i think I, I I fell in love with the fast travel system. It's so quirky and strange, but I love it. And so normally in a fast travel system, you're essentially often warping between save points, really. I guess games like, I don't know, Metroid, Ori, Guacamelee games I can think of, like you're essentially just warping between um, save points. But in this game, there's essentially like these networks of essentially like rockets that'll you can like it's like a suction cup that will pick you up and then shoot you and it'll shoot you to the next one and then if you continue it's like continuing along a train of these suction cups that essentially take you to the central hub and there's three there's three routes in the whole game basically and those are the those are the warp essentially like warp points where you kind of travel along them and it's i just like the idea that hey, we're going to stick quite rigidly to the pinball thing and this is a way of getting your pinball from, you know, point A to B in a faster manner than walking around the world, which, as we've said, is quite slow. Um, yeah. So I, I thought that was just really cool. And it's got, like, its own theme song when you're traveling and I was like, this is great. This is just such a, a pleasant, happy place to be uh, on top of the fact that there's no enemies in this game. I think some of the characters right, yeah. are, are really, really well designed and... I think the music, the the look of the world is very crisp. It's very clean. There's a real nice polish to like what this game is going for. Um, yeah, I mean, and, there's aspects of like the grass and stuff is kind of painterly. Like there is, yeah, an almost I don't know how what kind of type of art I would compare it to because I don't know anything about art. You have to get Charlie on the show and he can <laughs> yeah. tell us all the different Monets and I don't know. Um, but uh, but yeah, it definitely has that kind of softer i would say look to it it's kind of got like an ori vibe in its painterly style but the colors are much brighter Ori's is much more about the dark purples and greens and blues i'd argue this game's got like a lot more orange and red and green and blue like yeah. it's a lot more of the rainbow perhaps but um yeah i, I just think by the time that you're kind of like okay i get it this game's pinball and it's really fun and fresh but i think i'm done with the game now i think the game ends at that exact point i think it does a really good job of saying you know there's essentially three main parts of the map that you need to get to after the interlude after the interlude after the the intro um and then a, like a final boss at the end and i think that's like a really good structure for a very what's about a four to five hour quite a short metroidvania like i think that just works really well where you do have like a build up to each of those three areas and one of them's like climbing a mountain one of them's like going off into a desert one of them's kind of under sea and it's like sure that's kind of tropey but that that's not what this game's trying to be you know like it, it it's going for we're going to give you some very familiar ideas with metroidvania mm-hmm. games like the world generally feels quite it's nice but it's not the most innovative in that sense but then it, to say 
oh yeah it's all pinball and i think the fact that there are like these random bumpers in the world i never got boring for me i really really enjoyed it and i i think that at its hardest this game as someone who's really only played pokemon pinball both versions like ruby version and like original red blue version i kind of like my experience of pinball isn't too great and i think this game doesn't go you don't have to be a pinball wizard to play this game it's no you I'm don't saying. like i think yeah. it, i think going in you don't have to be too good at pinball and i think that it does a really good job of just putting it all together and it's it's funny because often with like pinball video games or the ones i've played you, you just kind of it's all about the timing and this is pinball generally the timing of when you do that bump that flipper in order to ping the ball up and the thing about this game is that your yoku your little ant or beetle you're playing as can you can like move him up and down the flipper at like in a controlled way and it almost feels like cheating and i kind of like even stopped myself doing it most of the time maybe i did it in like the last half hour of the game i want to say but you can kind of like cheat it a bit by moving him up and down the right, because he's a character that you can move with the analogs. Exactly. Well. On yeah. top of the fact that you're using the bumpers uh, to use the flippers in the game, which I just yeah. think works really well. So I think it it's saying it's definitely coming from the angle of you've played a Metroidvania before, but here's a pinball take rather than saying you're a pinball wizard. Here's a weird way of playing pinball in a Metroidvania yeah. world. Like it's definitely totally. much more on that side. And I thought. It was a very fresh experience and I'm really glad to have like given it a go before it sadly left Game Pass. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, it's it's on Switch as well and I've heard good things about that version. It seems like the, the type of thing that would run very easily on the system without yeah, having to definitely. make any compromises. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, this is one of the reasons I would say that it's good to try something even if you've heard perspectives where people don't like it, right? Because a lot of the time i think early on when we started the show and when i was like giving you recommendations you would be like oh yeah everything that mbz likes i like as well and then i think we got to this point where you hit the end of inside and you're like hmm, i don't think i like that as much as he did <laughs> um and and i think we've diverged a lot more in terms yeah. of our taste which is interesting because like i'm not really a big fan of this game at all i don't i didn't really enjoy it it is very low down my list of of this type of game and just wasn't my thing at all um and you could have very well heard me and, and being like well we have similar taste so maybe I, I won't enjoy it uh but you didn't and you played it and, and it turns out hey you like it a lot more than i did which is cool yeah yeah i think that comes from a place of like what you've said about your emphasis on movement and feel and yes totally when you kind of take that out of a metroidvania and replace it with pinball mechanics it's almost like it's a very stark thing to do to a, a genre like that and yeah um, kind of is in a way it's taking away your favorite aspect of metroidvanias and then expecting sure. you to still have a good time i yeah, guess but yeah, yeah. cool um, anyway very good mbz um, i hear you've finished up the old paper mario i have indeed um i think I clocked in somewhere in the region between 25 and 30 hours um so i'd, I'd say like that's an- is that about the same length as the other ones yeah, I'd say like average length for a Paper Mario game. I, I imagine maybe Thousand Year Door might be a bit longer uh, on GameCube, but um, for the more recent ones, I would say that's that's probably in the ballpark. And yeah, I think you were asking me last time. You know, you you were you were interested, and I think you were maybe skeptical about where I would be at the end. Like, do I burn out on it? How does it go? And I would say 
the last couple of major areas, right? So you have these five streamers. So the King Ollie, who's the origami king. Every time you say streamers, all I can think of is Twitch, by the way. I know. This is the problem. <laughs> it's, it's the <laughs> other, like, usage of the term, which has now fallen completely out of parlance because of our modern world. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, long strings of, like, cloth slash streamer. paper. Yeah. Yes. Um, and there are five of them around the world, and you have to get rid of them all by going to these different locations and, and destroying them um, and beating the boss, blah de blah And the last two of those are in areas where the combat is far less emphasized, which I would say is a good thing, right? Because by that point in the game, I'm like, I'm kind of sick of this combat. Like, I don't really want to be... It's quite unusual for the end of a game. Normally, they ramp up stuff like that, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, and obviously, like, you can still run away from enemies, like, dodge around them, because they're in the overworld as opposed to being random battles. It is it is very much... you. If you want to engage with them, sometimes you'll get forced into it if it's in a tricky, like, tight corridor, but for the most part, you can dodge around them. But um, one of those areas, they showed a snapshot on the trailer of, like, this kind of purpley desert area where you're in this little... You're basically in a um, uh, what's the name of it? The shoe. Um, the name is not coming to me. It begins with a K. Could be. Could be, uh, it's in Mario Maker. You jump in the gun. Oh, Karibo. Karibo the... shoe. There you go. Thank you. Um, rare that Bally gets a name that I can't. I was going to say a clog. I'm like... <laughs> it's like it's like a Karibo shoe on wheels. So it's basically okay. like a car that you drive around. And the cool thing about it is like you hold the accelerator down. And instead of going into battles, you just literally smash through enemies and they just turn into paper and you collect them. And it's great because you're just like, all right, I don't want to fight you fuckers. I'm... They, does, is that the developers being aware of how dry the battles can get or, you know? I don't know. I don't know. It was fun, though, to ride around that area and barely do any fights because you're just smashing through enemies. And then similar to that, like the final area is kind of more of a town place where you do go and do one section where it's kind of there are enemies appearing. But one portion of it is kind of a failure state thing where you have to choose paths where you go down and it doesn't actually involve much battling it's more like running away from a thing that's chasing you and so i I really like that variety but also it's it was good because it meant that there wasn't as many fights to engage with and you know the end end of the game definitely has a bit more of that but even there you can kind of like dodge past it um but it is, it is a little slow, right? It's like, I, I wouldn't give it that direct Luigi's Mansion comparison anymore just because pacing-wise, it doesn't have the briskness uh, of that type of game. And it's not, it isn't that type of game, right? Because it is right. far more focused on... It would feel on... really squashed and weird if it tried to be 15 hours. I don't know. Maybe it would feel better. But one of the things that is really good about it is just dialogues and even to the end of the game it's still really funny and you want to go and talk to all the random toads even though they're just toads they're not like anything else actually right at the end of the game there is like the main motivator i wouldn't call this spoilers right because it's a story for a paper mario game so i mean skip forward 30 seconds if you really care about that but the main motivation of this villain ollie is he was he came into being because he was made by a master craftsman and like you find this master craftsman turns out he's just another fucking toad this is one of those things within this game they're all toads all the fucking characters are toads and so the master craftsman is a toad okay yeah the master craftsman he he like makes origami he made like an origami castle you find his workshop basically and he he was the one who brought ollie and olivia to life essentially um there's also a, a toad who like sails the seas and he's called cap 
Captain Tewood. Like it's he's like this ancient being, and you find him. Um, it's like a play on actual Captain Toad. They should have put in Captain Todd. They should have put Captain Todd in this game. They should. The meme should have lived, but unfortunately, uh, not. Anyway, what I'm saying is they tease these characters they're like oh this ancient the ancient one the ancient one is just a toad right um and it's the same thing with this master craftsman but basically the main villain has a vendetta against him because he's a toad and so he hates all toads and so he's he's just like super angry that there's all these fucking toads and so it's almost like the developers are making the people who love old paper mario the villain of the game because they're saying like the villain is the guy who hates all the toads you should love toads really everyone loves loves toads they're great there's so many toads in this game and i i don't know if that's intentional or not but i kind of read it like they were taking a jab at traditional paper mario fans which (laughs) hey that's one way to play it like clearly they don't want to appease those people anymore like very clearly um with the type of game that they've made but um yeah i i still really liked it um there's definitely some stuff near the end where there was one boss in particular that i went on a rant on about on on twitter about and like yes they they do this really stupid thing bally where if you die it takes you back and they make you do it again if you die again they make you do it again and then like on the third time they'll just pop a save point in the middle so i've i had to fight a mini boss then a boss and every time i died on the boss which is very like if i mess up one button it was kind of like a quick time event type thing mess that up and you die and you have to go back and do the mini boss again and then get to the boss fight which is maybe my least favorite thing in video games when you don't checkpoint correctly and you send people back too far i fucking hate it especially in modern games i we'll talk about the next game i've been playing which is definitely in the old style but um <laughs> i can forgive that because it was made in the fucking 80s versus this game came out in 2020 man but the weirdest thing is if you die a couple of times they just give you a save point after the mini boss a random one just appears and i'm like why didn't you just do that in the first place like i just don't understand mm. like why not just give that to the player if the player really wants to circumvent it they can just not hit the save point and do the mini boss plus boss again if they want to um i don't know it was baffling to me i just it's the equivalent of them i've noticed this in like a few mario games i guess you could say in the last yeah while i mean i think it maybe started with something like 3d land where if you Mm -hmm. die a bunch it'll just be like oh here's a tanuki tail you can just have straight out the bat kind of thing that makes you invincible basically right and I think Odyssey had something like that as well. I can't remember now. Yeah. But I think this is even weirder because it's like they could have just given that save point to everybody and and this mini boss like it's it's far like it's decent but I don't want to fight it three more times, right? Like it's uh I just think it's a bad design. Any design decision where a boss can kill you in one hit for me is just a, a bad thing generally, but also if that one button whiff puts you back another 20 minutes, it's like really like it's just it's one of those demotivating things and thankfully like that's the only kind of blemish i would say in terms of that type of stuff in this game um, because for the most part it checkpoints really well and it will do auto saves alongside the, the save boxes that you can hit along the way um so yes i i do like it uh i think it is definitely a step up from the last couple of games obviously i didn't play color splash but i did play sticker star and it's way way better than that game in so many ways way funnier way just smarter and even the battle system is more interesting um so yeah it it it, i would recommend it and i don't i don't know for you bali whether you get a bit more burned out on it than i did or, or whatever but i think it does keep things fresh enough 
right up to the end of the game where even right before the the end there's like this other area you have to do a quick kind of escape sequence through that's kind of fun um and yeah and there's there's kind of gameplay variety as well like there's kind of a a, a different whole different gameplay thing that it throws at you right at the end too so i definitely get it uh, as i said last time people are entitled to not like this video game and i 100 percent see why um but as someone who is not a diehard like classic paper mario fan i really had a good time with it so how does it feel coming playing it off the back of like bug fables I think I liked it more than Buck Fables. Is that blasphemy? Because of, um, like we're talking like writing and worlds and yeah, you know, not necessarily combat. And I, I think Nintendo just has a leg up on the type of like visual aesthetics, right? Because I wasn't a big fan of how Bug Fables looked, and so like going to new areas wasn't like whoa, this looks really crazy and, and stuff like that. Bug Fables is really good combat, really good battle system, and as you know, that's not really why I'm playing RPGs. So right. I really respect Bug, Bug Fables a lot, and I really enjoy playing it. For me, Paper Mario is more my vibe in terms of what I want out of this type of experience. Um, so. So yeah, even though I would kind of prefer if Paper Mario was a, a bit uh, shorter, like trimmed down, because Bug Fables was, what, 15, 18 hours for me versus the 25 for Paper Mario. And it's not a huge difference, but I think over that length of time, by the time you start getting to the end, you're like, okay, let's start wrapping it up kind of deal, you know? Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, Origami King, very cool. Uh, the other thing that I've been playing that I've been streaming actually has been, which is, I really like streaming these types of games because there's a certain part of your brain where you're able to talk coherently while also focusing on the playing of it because it's very mechanical driven uh and that is castlevania 3 now before i say castlevania 3 it's not actually castlevania 3 now, let's go through a little thing i was explaining this a lot to people on stream and, and stuff like that but it's still a very interesting thing to me basically castlevania 3 when it came out in north america and i should say i'm playing this on the castlevania anniversary collection on switch uh which recently there was a crazy discount sale on the castlevania collection and the contra collection they were both 3.99 so i was like i'm just gonna get both of those because i've been waiting for a sale on them and i want to play them both um they've got loads of classic amazing games in them i'm a fan of both of those series so i want to go through and play all those games unfortunately we can't do online with contra but you know one day bally we'll, we'll sit down and play those contra games together um so i'm playing on the classic castlevania collection which is really cool because they do not only offer just the original north american slash european releases they also offer a bunch of the japanese releases of the castlevania games so what happened when castlevania 3 came out here or in north america was the difference between the japanese and the u.s market is that in japan there's not really a rental market uh, people don't rent games they don't have a blockbuster that they go and rent games from people buy games that's how companies make their money over in North America, during the NES era especially, the rental market for video games was enormous, right? Which meant that a lot of people were buying NES games, renting them for a weekend, and never buying them, right? So the only money the company saw was through how, whatever, you know, dividends they got through rentals, which inevitably was a much lower price point. So when a lot of people were kind of playing these games for a fee that Japanese publishers thought was far too low. As a result, 
even though back in the day NES games were really hard because they didn't change the difficulty from Japan, like they start, I think they started to at one point make uh, games easier when they brought them over. So Mega Man Two is a really good example where Mega Man Two is actually way easier because they offer a normal difficulty and a hard difficulty. The hard difficulty is the Japan difficulty. The normal difficulty is haha Westerners are babies version <laughs> essentially. But I I personally like normal difficulty in Mega Man Two. I think it's way more balanced and much more fun to play. Um, so that's an example of the opposite. However, once the rental market started to become a big deal japanese publishers were like hmm this isn't great people are finishing our games in a weekend and then taking them back we need to make them really really difficult so that when people rent them they can't beat them and they have to rent them the next weekend and the next weekend and the next weekend right so they get much more money instead of people buying these games or even maybe encouraging people to buy the games because they're so hard they'll take forever to beat castlevania 3 is the prime example of this where in the western version you took more damage enemies took more hits to kill there are certain enemies on platforming segments where in the japanese version there's no bats flying and there are bats flying in the western version loads of these tweaks that basically made it way more fucking difficult and in a lot of senses bullshit right like we talk about video game bullshit in nes games and how terrible it was this was like an extra added layer on top of that so basically my decision was i have these two versions of the game the japanese and the the u.s one i'm obviously going to choose the japan one and not only because it's easier not only because it's more fair and more balanced but because the soundtrack um for the japanese one is on another level like i I can't remember the specifics about it but it's something to do with whatever sound chip they were using on the famicom versus the nes and the music has like layers that don't exist in the tracks of of kind of what the nes could produce um and people can correct me on that i'm not 100 sure how it works all i know is the music in castlevania 3 japanese version otherwise known as akamoju densetsu is um is much better uh and if you know anything about castlevania some of the best classic video game music out there so really it was an easy decision for me to choose to play this version as opposed to western castlevania 3 um and it was great i i think had i played the actual one i would have thought less of it because of those annoyances that that make it more difficult the game's still really hard right like i did two streams of me fighting dracula and it probably took me about an hour and a half to do it all the way through to beat him fully without using save states mid fight Um, and i was using save states like throughout the level like when you get to a checkpoint i was like all right let's make a save state here um just because you know i'm streaming i want to get progress i want to make my way through i don't want to keep doing the same thing again and again but i was like with the boss fights i want to do them properly and they're real there is a thrill with castlevania boss fights of you're getting just your ass kicked and you're getting destroyed and you have no way past and then eventually you just find a strategy that works and sometimes it's a little bit of a toss of the dice like there's enough randomness in the death fight for example with the grim reaper where he just kind of flies around everywhere there's scythes just rolling all over the place it's just a bit of a living nightmare but i did find a strategy to beat him and i did eventually like take him down and it feels really satisfying when you do that because you you feel like you have overcome the challenge um which rarely happens with with nes games for me but castlevania i like the stiffness i like the movement i like the weirdness of the whip and everything about it it's just for me it's it is you would think 
for, uh, we talk about how much I like movement in video games, you would think it's like the antithesis. That's when you're like stuck to the floor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You would think like you can't maneuver your jump in the air. When you commit no. to a jump, you're going and you're going to hit it. You'd think I would hate that, but for whatever reason, something about the feel of Castlevania 3, there's a real identity to the feel of a Castlevania NES game, and I fucking love it. I really, really enjoy these games. Um, they are up there with Mega Man for me in terms of my favorite nes stuff and it's weird that the nes for me i'm really far more on the side of third party developers than nintendo i like Mega Man and castlevania so much more than original mario and original zelda um on on that system um which a lot of people would say is blasphemous but i don't know those games feel way better to me um so castlevania 3 i really like it. it it has um this thing which i didn't really interact that much with is multiple playable characters uh, so you can switch from i think it's not simon it's, I can't remember his name. The name is different in the Japanese version. Um, you can switch to Cypher. So these are characters actually in the Castlevania Netflix show. So you know Cypher. Right. Cypher originates from Castlevania 3. And she has like a tiny little stick that she can hit enemies with. And it's like really cramped up. But she can also use magic. And her magic is really powerful. Um, but I didn't really use her. I don't know why. She takes more damage as well. She's more susceptible. She's more of a glass cannon, I would say. Um, and, you know, you take a lot of damage in these games. So I didn't really try her out that much. You can also get Alucard. You can also get Grant and grant is kind of like he's almost frog-like like he has a really high jump and he can throw knives um alucard i think i i've not really seen much gameplay of him before because in order to unlock him you have to go down the harder path and castlevania has like multiple routes that you can go through so it's actually kind of a replayable um castlevania entry where depending on which route you take uh you can get a more difficult stage and you can you know take a bit longer to get there but you will unlock this other character um so i didn't engage too much in that uh but the design of the stages is is much more interesting i would say overall and again like it feels more balanced um compared to something like the original um or even castlevania one so i really enjoyed it um i think it's a great kind of classic throwback um and the, the, these collections make it so easy to play these types of games the one thing the collection is missing which i really wish they would add because the Mega Man collection has this is the rewind function there is no rewind function in this and especially in a game like castlevania where you fall down a pit and you just die um because of bullshit i the really wish i could back on those ledges yeah the knockback is terrible man um but i wish the rewind function was there for those small slip-ups because otherwise you're like all right let's go back to the save point that I, I i made with my save state and there's only one save state as well so they're really nice looking collections and obviously it's great that they have all the japanese stuff there's some art stuff in there as well i wish they'd gone the extra mile and done what the Mega Man legacy collection have done because for me, that's the pinnacle of like a classic collection. The Mega Man Legacy Collection is really what everyone should aspire to in terms of functionality and everything you can do with that stuff. So, so that's a shame that these two Konami uh, collections with Contra and, and Castlevania don't have those, but hey, maybe in the future they'll do a second one. I'm waiting for them to do the kind of the Metroidvania Castlevania collection because then I can say, Bally, here, easy. You can play all of those games in, in that function. So that would be good, but uh, for now that's it castlevania 3 otherwise known as akamocho densets and uh really fun good times um well that is going to end us for the first part of the show don't go anywhere however because after the break we're going to be woofing barking meowing at all of you with nintendogs plus cats our backlog club don't go anywhere we'll be right back
Alright everyone, welcome back to the show, uh, second half, in which we are finally doing another Backlog Club, been a little while uh, since we did the last one, and you know, we're, year's been weird, so we've been trying to figure out what to do, and we finally uh, got uh, Nintendo Plus Cats as our Backlog Club, as voted on by patrons, uh, an interesting game. Uh, with a lot of history behind it. It was a launch game for the 3DS back in the day in 2011. And um, and yeah, we, uh, we're going to talk about it, dive into the intricacies, all, all the stuff. Bally, let's start with our history with Nintendogs as a franchise, as a series. Do you remember the first time you heard about Nintendogs, uh, when that was? I think it was like announced before the DS came out, right? And it was kind of like... In, I think there were screenshots we'd seen very early on, and we yeah. were the, the we've talked about before the build up to the DS. So I guess in around two thousand and five was a really kind of we were I was we were very engaged with like official Nintendo magazine, or it might have been the Nintendo official magazine at that point right. in time, and just following all the games, the launch lineup, what we were going to pick up, and I think Nintendo's ended up being. I think it was 2006, so maybe like a little bit after the initial launch window. But Yeah, it was part of the Touch Generations initiative, right? Yeah. Which was Nintendo doing like brain training and Nintendogs and all these games that were trying to hit a wider audience. And I think those came out alongside, maybe Nintendogs came out earlier than this, but there was certainly an initiative to push the DS Lite with those games when the DS Lite yes. came out. Yes, no, and yeah, as you say, Nintendogs definitely came out with like the original ds and the big the the chunky one and yeah i i distinctly remember like picking up like labrador edition on launch and was we we generally were i was very big fan of like the touch generations games and just loved the everything stylist related everything microphone related uh i remember like showing my parents and they were like eh, yeah that's cool i guess why yeah. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> not that impressive that to them but for me it was like this is very cool. I, like, this is awesome. I'm, I'm loving this. Yeah, uh, and I, I had Dashend and friends, and like, there wasn't a huge amount of differences between the versions, right? They were kind of trying to do the Pokemon thing, where it's like, can you can you catch them all, right? How many dogs can you have? Um, and I think you could not trade dogs, but like, you would unlock dogs from other versions. You, uh, yeah, it was all about which dogs you group of dogs you started with. So Labrador and friends meant you could start with a Labrador and the Labrador's friends, but you could unlock all the breeds um, the more you played the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there were also like exclusive things such as the Mario carts that you were... I had, I think, Mario and you had Peach in your version, and then yes. Bowser was in the, the other version. Um, so there were certain items, but then you could also, because this was back when... this Nintendo was really interesting because it's really the genesis of Street Pass, right? Yeah. Bark mode was when you would basically go on a walk that was intended to be an online thing. You'd close your DS and you'd walk around, and ostensibly, if you ran into someone else who also was in bark mode, you would connect with them and you could give them a present. Um, so we could trade with each other essentially by just using bark mode um, to give each other items that we didn't have and, and things like that because you would you'd accumulate quite a lot of stuff right going on walks finding presents and eventually like you'd have something i didn't have and so we would similar to back in the day when we did mystery gift with pokemon we would kind of use bark mode as a way to do that the problem obviously like in the uk who the hell is going to walk around with their ds in their backpack with bark mode activated <laughs> and hope that somebody else had done that it was much better later on 
you know obviously they did it with dragon quest as well and th- these two things bark mode and dragon quest 9 in japan worked way better there because that's what people did people walked around with their ds's like that and i think nintendo wanted to replicate that on a larger scale with street pass and it ended up working so much better with street pass because all you had to do was just have your 3ds on it didn't matter what game it was it just meant that as long as it was in your purse or in your pocket or wherever it was in your jacket you would roll around and and ping people um well i don't remember ever having a bark mode work maybe it did once but i don't Mm, recall yeah i I think i gave up trying quite quickly especially with the size of that the original i mean the light made it much easier to do that but true i mean i distinctly remember playing this game almost entirely on the original ds and less so the light i think i was very much sort of past this game by the time i got a light yeah probably um i i don't remember the timelines of like when the light happened and when this happened but um but yeah it was it was one of those games where so me personally right i've never had pets uh you obviously you've grown up with dogs around you um your whole life and i have not uh, mainly because my sister is allergic to animals and hair like cat hair dog hair all that kind of stuff so if your sister wasn't allergic you think you're sort of family that would have had a pet i don't think so i think that maybe when i was younger i would have been more like oh i would like a dog or something like that because i was a stupid kid um (laughs) but as i grew up i realized i don't like uh, domestic animals at all they smell they are annoying (laughs) um they will attack you i just don't like the idea of them me and my sister are staunchly anti-dog and we are very much against this british idea of like dogs are people and people treat dogs like people because i think it's fucking stupid i think it's an idea beyond the uk but i see what you're saying it is beyond the uk but the uk especially for fuck's sake bally a dog won britain's got talent so that's the kind (laughs) of level we're talking here right um so we have always been very anti-dog and animal and you know like when people talk about how dogs die in movies is sadder than people i'm like you people are fucking insane they're animals what the fuck like i get it sure they have feelings right they're animals but like (laughs) that's where i'm coming from basically as i don't really care about dogs however nintendogs i was very into because what you get is you get all the cuteness without the hassle right you don't have the feeding you don't have the annoyance of the smell of them being like around the house and dropping hair and shit right you just have all the benefits with none of the trade-offs um and so yeah i was very into nintendogs because i was like hey dashens are cute i like this little dog that i've named cloud and i'm gonna look after it then i got a husky um so so yes digital animals i'm fine with real ones not so much so it's kind of where i'm coming from with nintendo i remember calling my labrador shadow after the film the hedgehog no after the film homeward bound the, the, oh, the right. retriever in that film is called shadow is he um, oh and then i had like a schnauzer that was called guinness because it was like black and tan like oh, a pint that's of guinness. good okay and then i had a dalmatian called apollo because i just thought that was a great name for a dalmatian for right god this is coming back to me now yeah. yeah my um i can't remember what my husky was called it was a cool Your name husky was like called... ice or something yes. icy or i can't remember it's called what it ice was. which is like the worst name possible i don't think like it was called ice white... i think it was something like that like, like... blizzard blizzard that's yeah. you're right totally yeah. it was called blizzard holy shit Bali's <laughs> memory coming to the fore <laughs> wow go. i'm impressed and then i did have another dog I, I think i got it really late and i can't remember what i called it I'll, i'm gonna have to go back and boot up my uh, old cartridge i think i actually have that with me so yeah, that'd be a good thing to do um so yes we were very into the original nintendogs right we would 
do the bark mode stuff we would uh train our dogs i remember being really good at obedience trials versus you were really good at the agility course and you would make most of your money doing that i would make most of my money doing obedience yeah and that linked to like each breed has strengths and weaknesses where some of the larger dogs are more athletic and the smaller dogs are often better at obedience totally so my dashing because cloud was small little puppy uh was very good at listening to my commands and i would i think you could also not necessarily secret commands but there were definitely ones that the game didn't point out to you that you had to kind of look up and had gave you more points in competitions and stuff like that right mm-hmm. or like, like custom break dancing and handstand yes yeah, yeah 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 all that stuff was was great um so i was very into teaching my dog all those crazy tricks and then when you got to the freestyle portion i'd just be like fucking dance right and he would just go for it and i would get all the points and just have so much cash because the the kind of i guess the goal of the game right was to get a bunch of money so you could buy more pets but then also you could upgrade your home that was kind of the end game i felt in the original game did you kind of feel that as well there's like the space room that was the one that we were shooting for at some point yeah i i want to say i eventually did get enough money for that space room um yeah it was basically very expensive and obviously you're like limited to playing in certain number of competitions a day and yeah just i remember playing it almost daily for quite a while definitely saw most things in that game pretty much yeah we were very dedicated to it and similar to animal crossing back then it was a it was a game that you check in on right like you go in for an hour or so maybe half an hour and do your competitions walk the dog a few times uh, find some stuff um, that kind of thing and look after them wash them roll around with your mario kart which i thought at the time was very very cool um, because it was like behind the back camera of you like going around the room and you could also see it on the top screen like where you were in relation to everything yeah you could swap cameras and yeah yeah neat neat stuff for sure um so that being said we were very big fans of nintendogs uh going into this game and this was a launch title so Nintendo plus cats uh, came again in three varieties right and i got the toy poodle one that i picked up from amazon mainly because it was the cheapest if i'm honest with you um uh, which one did you get i Valor? got golden retriever and i think it's just because it's most similar to labrador and different sure one you got i guess and it was maybe like two pounds more expensive yeah something. yeah that's not like it matters that much but um uh so this game came out when the 3ds came out right in 2011 and back then i bought it at launch i actually had experience with nintendogs before launch because i went to a quote-unquote press event it was like a demo station thing in edinburgh that i went to and i got to play nintendogs plus cats it was actually the first time i ever saw 3d in uh, a 3ds video game and i remember looking into the room of where the dog was sitting and just seeing how it was all about distance it was all about like perspective looking inside a box versus something jumping out at you because that's not really what the 3ds was about was much more about depth and and kind of looking inside a space um as opposed to what 3d movies had done at that point which was like here's a punching glove coming out of the screen at you and you have to dodge it or whatever um so so yeah i had a little bit of experience with it but i didn't really play too much of it i was kind of there just to check out what the 3d was like and um it kind of looked similar back when i played it yeah. for what five minutes or I think so we had both event. had our fill from 2006 and this was only five years later and it was yes. kind of like well there's other games well there's other games on 3ds coming out that we're more interested in although i appreciate the launch was quite weak generally it was and, pretty sparse yeah but i mean even two first party titles in nintendo plus cats and pilot wings for the european launch was still 
something you know so was I think steel we've... diver available at the european launch as well i can't remember i think that steel was... diver was later in europe but it was the north american launch and then pilot wings i think like missed out on the north american launch or something there was like some yeah. weird switcheroo i mean we had face raiders right that was we fine face you know. as well, so. <laughs> um, and ar cards and ar cards which we will get to uh with this game for sure uh so so yeah back then i was like i wasn't that interested in playing nintendogs again because i think i kind of moved on from it and i was like ah i i enjoyed that when i was younger but i don't know if i would play it now if it would be something i would be still interested in and and the reviews didn't seem that great either so i wasn't super on board with picking it up um so fast forward to now going into this game uh, I was pretty excited to get into Nintendo Cross Cats because it had been a while and I have very fond memories of the original and I thought, you know what? This is their chance to like show me that they improved everything, that they took what was good and, and, and made it better. And um, I don't know about it. I think this game's kind of bad <laughs> in a lot of ways and I wasn't prepared to be disappointed in the way that I feel I have been with Nintendo Cross Cats. How, how did you feel going in and how do you feel now? Yeah, I I was very excited. Obviously, playing Nintendogs in 2020 is just a very quirky thing in and of itself. But um, we obviously, as we as we've just said, looked back very fondly on the 2006 game. So I was like, yeah, we missed this at 2011. Even if it was more or less a similar game, the same game, I think now would be a fun time to jump back in and you know give it another go. And obviously, it won the Patreon poll. I was very excited it won the Patreon poll. I thought it was a bit of an upset. Uh, <laughs> and picked up the game i've played through large parts of the game i've maybe sunk in like seven eight hours and yeah it, a lot of it is very disappointing there's some good stuff in there but the majority of it felt very it's like you could see it didn't just it didn't have the magic it did the first time around and i i think part of that is that you're never going to be able to replicate the magic of nintendo's that first experience with the ds I think that's one aspect but i think the other aspect is and we can get into it i think they've just taken some of the better parts of the first game and made them frankly worse uh-huh it just makes yeah. it harder to play less fun to pick up uh, less fun to progress from like a gameplay perspective you're talking about competitions and progression making more money unlocking more things i think that loop is weakened substantially uh and that's definitely the main other than just looking at cute dogs and cats which i think this game does well we can talk about yeah. that later but like that remains really the, probably the strongest aspect i think the animation is fantastic i think oh, 3D really works good. well i think the the unique thing it does we can get into it um with the top screen that obviously the original ds doesn't have works yes. and they they do that by having a silhouette of what's going on in the top screen on the bottom screen so you can interact with the silhouette on the touch screen but then see the visuals in 3d on the top screen i think that is a cool feature and a good it's a very clean neat crisp workaround for nintendo to have done to utilize the 3d while also keeping it as a touch screen focused game Right, that was the issue, is because on, on the original game, the dogs would be on the top screen, but then when they would run towards you, it would switch perspective to the bottom yeah. screen so that you could pet them and just interact with them directly. And if you did that on the 3DS, you would not get the dogs and cats fully in 3D because they would be on the bottom screen. And Nintendo, obviously, th- this is a launch game, right? And we can talk about that a bit, but I think so many of the decisions made in this game are so clearly because it was a launch game. Um, and one of those is they need to show off the 3D they need people to see these cute puppies and these these kittens in 3d so you have to have them on the top screen which creates a problem when you're petting them because there's not 
a direct interaction there it's more like a ghostly hand that you can see hovering over them uh, which is a is a good way to to fix the problem yeah but... i think it's a good workaround i think it works generally yeah um and i i do like how the game looks overall it definitely you could you could say and be cynical about it it's like oh it just kind of looks like the old game but with 3d but no because the ds wasn't quite as powerful as this and especially when i got my cat for the first time i was like holy shit this cat looks as cute as hell like it is a, a, amazingly rendered the fur looks fantastic and granted when you're looking at it without the 3d switched on you could argue ah, it's not it's not that good looking game but with the 3d added it definitely there's a depth to it there's a depth to the kind of the the fur on the animals and the the way that you kind of interact with them and they roll around they they definitely brought that over the the animation quality and and how they kind of interact with you and and Mm. jump after stuff and and we've said it before but the 3d on 3ds looks more crisp while it's in 3d than when the 3d is off and it's almost because the two images have been like layered on top of each other and the resolution can sometimes look ever so slightly blurry in comparison yeah. to the crispness of having the 3d enacted yeah definitely it um and I, I would say there's a bit of fuzz around it um in this game i don't think they had quite dialed in the the sharpness but also i think it's more of a fuzzy game if you know what i mean right like that the fur textures aren't gonna have the kind of crispness of say like a dragon quest 8 or 7 yes. art st- style yeah. or something like that where it's more cell shaded this is far more leaning into not necessarily realism but like closer to that perspective especially mm-hmm. with the cat i think the the cats look even better than the dogs do and grant i only have one cat and doesn't really do much aside from sit there and i pet it and it purrs really like some of the sound design is really good just like petting my my cat and hearing the purr is it's very very well done uh, yeah that yeah. stuff is excellent for sure and I, and I do think like the menus and things are, are something i really remember being incredibly clear and crisp with the first game and i think all those things are here again like the, it's all just incredibly clear where to go how to navigate very simplistic uh, polished menus um like musical themes for every single different type of shop every single different thing in the game like washing your dog or going on a walk like they all have these distinctive nintendo po- seal of approval polished soundtrack um that i think works really well too yeah one of the things i wanted to point out uh that was one of the first things you see in the game is this is clearly a post Wii era Nintendo yes. in that there are Mii's fucking yes. everywhere all over this game. Like I got you get to the space where you're choosing your dog for the first time and like just hovering in the background is just this weird looking me who's I guess the person running the dog center or whatever. I and obviously, really dislike that there are Mii's in this game. I also dislike it greatly. I, I think the one fun thing of the original Nintendogs was that it was always just a suggestion that there were people there. I think there were maybe like silhouettes or, you know, right. obviously the levitating uh, lead when you're walking your dog and this sort of thing. And you still have that, but it was always this suggestion that, hey, we're just going to always have the camera looking at the ground and the world. The dog that kind sense. of view almost, yeah. Yeah, from, exactly. From and this game is just kind of like, oh no, there's, there's lots of people and houses and things in this world and... Uh, this is the shopkeeper this is the lady you buy your food from this is this and it's like who are all these people and oh they just me the the me's just jar so much with these fairly photorealistic looking dogs totally that Um, is the issue i think is because there are these cartoonish like completely weird 
quote unquote people versus these animals that like ripped out the real world it's kind of the same jarringness with mario odyssey when you go to new donk city but i think they handle it so much better there versus this which is just like i just think it doesn't work aesthetically it doesn't yeah one feels like an artistic decision in mario odyssey and this one just feels shoehorned in because we had to get me's in the game you know and like to some extent you can see that influence of the wii series bleed in through the walking as well where the town is kind of a woohoo island analogy to some degree right like yeah because there's a beach there's the mountains there's town and there's a residential area and it's all these different kind of and they look nice like and we can get into the walks maybe now yeah. but um the walks look nice at they least. do but let's talk about this disappointment because i think the first that like as soon as i went on a walk for the first time i was like are you serious is this is this what they're doing <laughs> this, now yeah. and like this really ties into why this is a launch ass launch game is because they want to push 3D, right? So what does that mean? That means looking into the distance. That means going down a street, straight up the road, seeing things that are coming down the way, being able to interact with them, and then going going on by. However, I think this approach fundamentally misunderstands what was so good about the walking mechanic in the first game. Because, if you'll remember... The walking mechanic there, you started off with a map of the town. It was a top-down map. And what you could do was you had a limited amount of stamina on your animal, and you would draw a line. And the line would go past parks. Uh, You would see presents on the map, so you could basically move the line through a present to know that you would interact with it and pick it up. Um, And it was this game of you started out slow, you built up your stamina, and every day you'd go on walks, and eventually you could go on really long walks. And it was kind of this meta layer of how many presents can I get on this walk, right? Can I get eight or nine? Can I go to the park as well as getting this present? I I have to make the decision of whether I can go far enough to get to the park versus not being able to make it if I wanted. Also, like, multiple parks? Yes, in each part so in the original game there were always two two or three parks i believe and there were different numbers of dogs in each park and we can get into this as well but like when you're training for the frisbee competition Uh you want to have an empty park so that it's just you and your dog practicing frisbee and having the ability to control when you go to the park with no other dogs in versus going to the park with other dogs in allows you to decide when you want to practice frisbee or when you just wanted to play with some other dogs and in this game it's just entirely random that I can see and what I've read from the internet. It's just entirely uh-huh. random when you turn up at a park, whether there's going to be one other dog there or two other dogs there or no other dogs there. And if you, you're going with the intention of practicing Frisbee, that is infuriating. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think the other thing is you can... Could you go to multiple parks per walk on in the original game as well? Yeah, I mean, certainly once your stamina was really high, absolutely. You could yeah. do so. You could do your training session in the empty park, and then go have the Mario Kart play session in the other park. Right, exactly. Um, so yeah, going back to the walks themselves. And so the idea is that you're instead of like this strategic layer of of going to parks and finding presents and just getting a load of stuff which was exciting like i would always be excited to go on a walk because i would get stuff right that i think that was the loop of the game was getting stuff you could get really lucky and open a package and it's a mario kart and you'd be like oh shit i got a mario kart and then if i got a spare one i could give it to you as a present it kind of really built into the magic of the game of the kind of discovery element right and that is completely ripped away because 
I think there was one walk where I got two presents, and that was surprising, right? Because most of the time you go on a walk and you pass by these little patches of grass where your dog will go and take a piss. Then he'll just sometimes sit in the middle of the road and take a dump. Then he could just meet another dog on the road and all that happens i feel like the dogs really fiddled around with things and stopped and yeah had a poo on this had a wee on this had a sniff of that jump into a puddle jump into this rut like there were so many more things that i felt this game made the walk process much more slow and i think the intention is you're meant to train your dog to not go in the rubbish not go in the puddle yeah. you know and, and but i found this very difficult and like there's like prompts where you're prompted to like use a, a treat to stop you and it all that stuff is just new to this game that i just think makes the walking process worse where you are just keen often to maybe get through the walk go for a training session get a present and come home again it was just making that whole process longer and slower and more laborious it was like definitely oh. it feels like the dog is just doesn't want to listen to you way more than in, in the first game and i think the other part is because it's not side scrolling the kind of tension on your rope and where it is relative to the dog is hard to tell because obviously it's a 3d game and so you only have this 2d plane on which to move your um what do you call it uh, uh string what's it lead. called lead yeah you move your lead around or a leash so, in North leash America. yeah uh you if you move it to the top of the screen then supposedly it like goes forward to make the dog run further but then yeah. like i kept trying to get to the top of the screen and it never felt good it never felt right like right at the top of the screen um it was kind of me bumping up against the kind of edge of the touch screen yeah, almost. It was bad. Um, because even this a decently trained dog in the first game i felt you could just sprint through an entire walk if you wanted to yes and it was definitely. quite easy to do that it didn't feel like that you were forcing the dog it felt like the dog was enjoying it as well like this and it was a, very clear of like how to slow down and how to yeah. go faster because it was like left and right and so it was back and forward it was very obvious versus this because it's they're trying to do something a bit more ambitious it clearly is just a lot trickier to even maintain where the dog is going and like trying to get it away from areas and then trying to move it towards the side which is where you go to the gym or you go to these other places to the park and stuff like that there's even shops you can go to it's really weird like you go to a cat cafe for one of them and you just pay money to have a dessert which i don't know if it ever does anything maybe just i think there's like a so one new thing to this game is like the weight of your dogs your dog can be like plump or lightweight or just really? right sort of thing and yeah apparently the biscuits and stuff at these cafes are quite like fatty biscuits and can make oh. the dog a bit too plump so when they're plump they do less well in like athletic style courses so the the reeling in competition which we can get to and the frisbee competition okay weird um and then there was like a weird cat there as well hanging out um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, because I don't remember when you interacted with other dogs, other animals in the original game, I don't remember it actually being that engaging either, so I don't know that they really changed much. It was like you would bump into a dog on a walk and it'd be like, oh, and Abby and Dina are getting, are getting along <laughs> uh, ba like... badly or well, or they've started fighting and then you go away. It's like it was a very one-off interaction where in this game, if they get on well... You sometimes you sometimes even get prompted it's like would you like to hang out in the park with joe and it's like yeah no i don't want to hang out with joe <laughs> in the park i want the park to myself to practice frisbee to make some money to progress the damn game I sure want, yes want to necessarily just hang out with dogs all the time so i think sometimes the game just thinks that 
just watching cute dogs and cats play with each other is enough enjoyment for everyone playing the game when in reality yeah. i think there are some people where like me it's nice at first but then i'm i'm much more playing it more as a game and less as a sim kind of thing where i just want to kind of progress some things do, do you think your attitude towards the way you treat games these days has impacted that because i feel like it was similar in the old game in in many senses right like just because we were younger and we treated games differently i guess um do you think that has had an effect on your enjoyment or i i think my threshold for you know slow paced let's enjoy some dogs playing with each other was probably greater with the first game Obviously, but and you I, can't like replicate the idea of the touchscreen being like this new thing that was fun to interact with and the microphone they listen to you with the microphone type of true deal, true but i also think the first game was much easier to min max in terms of getting through walks getting gifts um progressing competitions practicing for frisbee you at least like felt better progression in the first game um, um in many ways I, I genuinely think the first game was better because it, because the the process of going on walks to progress your training for frisbee or the real competition is much much slower in this game because of how long those damn walks take and how much your dog is fiddling about with pissing and pooping on the side yeah. of the road and like it felt a lot more streamlined in the first game and, and then even when you do get to the park as you have said i got lucky the first time i got to a park there was nobody there and i was like great let's just throw the frisbee about a bunch and, and train and and it feels like my dog didn't get that much better uh, in a short period of time or even a long period of time um, because when I went to the competition after training a bunch, I think I spent 20 minutes in that park and I went to a competition and uh, and like he was still kind of faffing about like when he got the frisbee, he wasn't coming back to me fast enough. I trained a bunch with the frisbee and he constantly was just like grabbing I... it and then just lying on the floor and not coming back yeah, to Yeah, I'm convinced it's number of times in the park sometimes more so than it is how long you spent in the park. Ah, because okay. i definitely ended up going to the park about three or four times by myself believe me that took about 16 to 20 times of walking just god. to find those four empty parks oh my god and um yeah i eventually got to like the the second or third best competition in frisbee like i was getting much better and able to like catch so you doing a bunch of walks does that mean there's no limit on number of walks you can do in this game don't think so no because I, I feel like the first game had like a limit of two walks per day or something. Do you not recall that? I think there was a limit on number of walks. And I think that that was, it might have been with the first game to reinforce the, the point of um, having the, the limit on length of walks, you know, where I think, because right. with the first game, if you had unlimited short walks, it wouldn't feel much different to just doing one longer walk. Whereas if they say, look, you can only do two or three walks a day, and then those walks themselves get longer, it's maybe a, a, a nicer progression curve that they've just completely ignored with this game. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, uh, we haven't talked about our, who our dogs are or our cats or whatever. What did you name your pets, Bally? <laughs> I named my dog, which was a... I got a Cocker Spaniel. So in real okay. life, I, own, I have owned two american cocker spaniels yeah i'm, I'm interested in that because you um you never like got a cocker spaniel then named them after your actual dogs uh before so no i didn't i mean you weren't even able to get a cocker spaniel in the first game so it was like oh really okay it, it's one of the new breeds which is cool um so i named my cocker spaniel abby um after last of us part two and uh -huh. i named my cat ellie after last of us part two <laughs> um and yeah I'm, I'm guessing they don't get along uh Bali. 
they don't get along although abby and dina did get along so oh they go. did but, yes yeah. yeah but um yeah no, so what names did you go for mz um, so I have a uh, schnauzer, schnauzer, I don't know how you say schnauzer. that, uh, schnauzer, um, who is called Dunban, uh, obviously, I only name my dogs. That's a good dog name, is Dunban. <laughs> Dunban, uh, I only name my dogs after JRPG protagonists. Uh, and then I got a cat, and I was like, oh, I should just use like cool characters from books, so I, I call my cat Kaladin. Um, Kaladin is one of the main <laughs> characters of Brandon Sanderson's uh, Stormlight Archives. Three syllable name. Yeah. Does um, it pick up on the mic okay, Kaladin? It did, yes. Uh, okay. Although, if I'm honest with you, not much reason to use the name Kaladin because uh, your cat doesn't do anything. So, so yeah, that's... we might as well get on to cats. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the cat addition? Right, I, because I feel like you've got a... dogs and they do stuff, and you go for walks with them, and you can do competition with your dogs and. The cats feel okay. Let me do this analogy. It feels like the classic image of like a fifties couple of like the the man is like makes all the money, goes out, does all the work, yes. like uh, is is the breadwinner for the house, and the cat just kind of but like actually women at home do a lot, right? Like they do a huge amount of of work. But yeah, I was just say your analogy falls flat where the cat does nothing and the fifties woman does a yes. ton of housework. But yes, does yes. a ton, which yeah is true. But the the cat, let's say, is more like the the kid, right? Who maybe goes to school, maybe if they're too young. Uh, but yeah, the cat literally just stays at home, does nothing, and just like <laughs> fans about. And maybe that's like just being accurate to what cats do, right? Because yeah, my impression is you can't really train cats that easily and particularly like how cats to my knowledge are either housebound or you let them like essentially roam and if you have a housebound cat i think they literally just hang out eat sleep poo and piss and yeah. uh that's about it and you kind of like hang out with them you don't really train them or walk them as you would a dog yeah and it's re- the really weird thing about it is you can use so you know how you teach them tricks by using the finger thing that like you move it across the way and they'll lie down or whatever yes you can do that for cats and they will do those things you just can't teach them anything oh, like you can do that. that stuff you can make them sit you can hold their paw you can put them on, on their back and they will do it in the same way that dogs do but they just don't learn it because i guess they're like fuck this i don't i'm not gonna learn something just for you <laughs> you know um, I think there were this game feels like there were quite a few decisions that were made quite top down and I think that that's not necessarily what Nintendo often or normally do with their games but I think cats being in the game feels like one of them the AR cards feel like another one that is definitely a launch ass launch thing for a sure launch ass launch thing and I also think the Mii's were perhaps another one and they just feel shoehorned into the game i think all of them make the, don't make the game much better i think in particular the cats just feel... i mean it's plus cats right like it's clearly but the they're just glorified toys <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah just, i don't know yeah i'm i mean uh, so at first right you see this thing called the lure competition and yes. i was convinced ah this is the competition for cats so when I you get a cat agree, yeah. you can enter this and that's what they're going to do they're going to chase after a thing like they do you can buy the cat wand which you can like float about and they'll like attack it and things like that and i was like yeah that's definitely how they're going to roll this in there and i find out that no in fact it's a dog thing so all the competitions are dog things all the walking is dog you can't walk your cat um it just feels really half baked and it and it to me it is the sense of definitely being a launch game because had they had more development time for it i feel like they could have created 
more activities for you to do with the cat to make it meaningful because otherwise it's just it sits there and it looks cute and i put a scarf on him and i gave him a cool sun hat and he's like i'm Khaled and i'm a cool cat that's it that's really all there is to it or if you had structured the game where you have like these competitions and training for the cat allowing the player to start the game with a cat because there will be people who come into this game maybe who are cat fans and not dog fans who are thinking right i've played five hours with this dog trying to make enough money to buy a cat yeah and then they finally get a cat ready to do all this cool stuff and they realize i can't do anything with this cat this game is a load of rubbish and it's in some senses it's like the aesthetic goal of the end game of nintendogs are like i want a space room does the space room materially change anything no it just looks cool and i guess that's kind of the same thing right like the cat just looks cool and you can interact with it which is probably more than you can say about the space room but but yeah it feels in that same vein as like a prize to be won more than a mechanic to be engaged with um so it is a little weird um and, and so like the walks then tie into some of these competition things because when you go on walks you can find places to go to such as the gym which is where you can train for the lure competition and obviously the park which is where you can train hopefully for the frisbee competition if there isn't another try hard dog in there the other the other thing about um the parks with the dogs right is i came across dogs who were just like fucking styling on me like it wasn't even that they were really good at getting the disc some of them would just do forward flips in the air and catch the disc and i was like okay i get it dog like you're really good at frisbee my fucking schnauzer dunban here isn't uh he needs trading and you're not letting him you're just fucking styling on him abby abby was able to do the the front flips on the discs in the end oh okay well well done i wasn't um <laughs> you, you so get that's, there. i'm sure you do i do think my i bought another issue with the walks and that it's more so than just the park issue of getting a free park to practice disc it's the fact that the walks almost seem random whether you start in the town or the beach or the mountain path and the the training center for the lure competition for example is only in the town and you don't always go on a walk that goes through the town and yes there are some there's like a path. I, I believe that there are like signs so you wherever you start so there is a path from the residential area to the town but there's yeah. not a path from the beach area or the mountain area to the town so do you not always start in the residential area once you've been to all the places that's that's what i thought but it'll randomly mix in the beach and the mountain path Ugh. as starting spaces God. and sure the beach and the path uh, mountain path have parks but again it's random who's in that park so like if you're going on walks with the intention of doing something it's very difficult to always match up the two to do what you intend to do so it's like they, they want you to just happily the first aim is to go on the walk and then it's like the secondary and third aim is oh i might practice for the lure competition i might go to the the, that specialist shop which you can access on the walk for example or i might go to this other i I once went on a secret path apparently that oh interesting because it's like it's not consistent the signs and things change a bit which is really weird um so i went on a secret path and on the secret path i found a secret biscuit i don't know what the secret biscuit does <laughs> did you not feed the secret biscuit to well, your i only to had see? one so i was gonna look it up and find out like what does the secret biscuit do but, uh-huh. um, who knows um so i got that but it's like you it's not guaranteed 
when you set out with the intention of going on a walk, what what you're going to do on that walk. Um, sometimes I would start in the resi- residential area and be like, right, I want to practice lure. I'll go to town and then I'll go off to the gym and do the lure. And that worked a few times and is more consistent than practicing for Frisbee. However, it's not great. Right, at least because there's no dogs there to annoy you and be in your way. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the lure competition, right? This is a new one for this game. Uh, used to be the... They dropped, they dropped the agility, the assault course. Yeah, which was fun. I like the assault course. I really loved that. That was my bread and butter for money making. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so this one is interesting because it is a mini game, right? Like you basically have this little mouse type thing that is on a track and you have to rotate on the bottom screen your kind of reel to reel it in and you need to get your dog to maintain like a really good speed so that they run after it fast enough if you go too slow they'll catch it and they'll stop if you go too fast they'll start just like being seebs and just like i can't be bothered to go after this thing so you need to find this really sweet spot between nailing like the speed of it and also building your dog speed up and i i only got to maybe the second or third competition with the law and it started to feel like it was more to do with your skill with the reeling more so than your dog's stamina or like building that skill at all um and so it felt like almost training was pointless but how did you find that Bally? i initially felt like you i thought this is more to do with me being good at the mini game but then there was like i had been training and then middle of the contest in like maybe the second or third one abby just absolutely started sprinting her her heart out really fast and i had to reel really fast and we were like sailing to the end so like that was definitely based on practice more so than just my ability the real speed but did you also get like the 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 hurdles that come into it i don't think i got to hurdles no i got to some turns and bends because when you sometimes you'll knock into other dogs as you go around the corner so they introduce these hurdles and you have to stop the lure past the hurdle and beep the horn in the middle in order for your dog to jump over the hurdle and then you've got to start reeling again so it's just adding one another level to the mini game to make it a little more difficult and i definitely it was my fault a couple of times we lost that where i definitely been training with abby and she was really good at it and then got to the competition and i screwed it up and we failed but i re-entered and i was able to win i think we got to like the second highest for lures and like i even unlocked like a banana lure for example and stuff oh like that's that, fun okay which appeared in my shop and then i bought it and then like abby really likes the banana lure or something so you can like go faster so i like this i'm i think think it's a shame that they didn't add this and have the agility course because i think the agility course is pretty cool as well and it makes me wonder are lure competitions a real thing is this like yeah. a japanese thing maybe i don't i want to know now so i need to look that up because it also does kind of seem like a thing a cat would do as well yes like you wonder if at some point in development this was supposed to be one of the cat mini games and you were going to have three for dogs three for cats or whatever and and because it was a launch game they had to do rush development probably it ended up just being like oh let's just do dogs and let's just leave the cats with nothing essentially um because it feels like it would work really well as a thing to do with your cat um as opposed to your dog um so I don't know how how that worked out but but yeah I I enjoyed it for what it was but it again it didn't it didn't make me feel like I had to keep doing it because I was focusing much more on the obedience competition that was my usually my bread and butter which is essentially you teach your dog tricks and I don't do you remember in the first game whether you had a list of tricks to teach them or whether it was just you figured it out yourself because I kind of 
I feel like we looked either on the internet sometimes to figure out what tricks to do or... I think it was online, you're right. And you also didn't have to use treats to get them to do certain tricks. It was yes. just... It was only movements on the touchscreen. Right. And I think that's why you, we found out like break dancing and shit like that that was like almost hidden kind of really tough stuff. Right. Whereas now they're like at the end, oh, here's break dancing. I also didn't rem- remember if in the first game you could only learn three tricks a day. I imagine you could probably similar thing i yeah. would imagine just to limit you and, and make sure you don't do too much and similar with number of competitions you can enter so you can enter each one twice per day it's like um, they know if you played all of the game back to back it's like a four or five hour game but they don't want yeah. you to kind of <laughs> sail through it so they want to stretch it over however long but the other thing with the game is in this first game did this as well is you only get certain things for playing it for say 30 days so you have to if you want to get everything if you want to get the robot dog which is a fun like secret unlockable of the late game you have to pay it play it for 33 days um and then you'll have enough quote-unquote owner points which is like an invisible currency i guess uh for you to unlock that as a possibility um how how did you find training with your voice again i think you mentioned to me that it plays back your uh, recording after you say it and it really tells you how low quality the 3ds <laughs> microphone really is um, is it possible the 3ds microphone is worse than the ds microphone I don't know. I feel like they're probably same build quality. They probably use the same parts, didn't they? It sounded so bad. And maybe the DS game never repeated your voice back. Can you remember? I don't remember. No, I don't know. I can't remember I either. But um, yeah, so it was really bad. I think the process, though, of training and writing down the 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 tricks and then entering the competitions, I think one thing the obedience trial does now is that it'll ask you to do the trick the way you wrote it down rather than the yes. generic name which is a which is nice good because i think yeah. we both fucked up like when we were doing the shaking hands thing i did the left paw and i called it shake Re- i'm not realizing that there's also a command for the right paw and so i was like oh for fuck's sake i just called it generic shake so like what am i going to do for this other one and so i just called it right paw and i was like well, i'm just gonna have to remember that shake but then right you go paw. into the uh, obedience trial and it's like shake or right paw it tells yeah. you the one that you have written down which is nice definitely yeah i i ended up going paw and right paw <laughs> so, <laughs> um but yeah no so that stuff is good i think uh you can kind of teach your dog very quickly very easily as long as you're in a quiet room and you're clear and i think this had a lot to do with me not playing as much of the game as you did is because it's been fucking hot in london right and so i have a fan on me constantly so i was really discouraged from doing a lot of the obedience stuff early because the uh, this last kind of couple of weeks has been stupidly hot and so i don't want to be sitting there playing something without any sort of like wind blowing on me um which is funny because there's a uh, an item that's the bubble blower and i took it out and it's just like blowing bubbles really crazy and i'm like oh interesting it's like automatic and i realized <laughs> oh no it's my fucking fan behind me that is non-stop blowing the microphone and so the bubble blower is just constantly going uh which was interesting um, but that meant that if you try and do commands while that's happening the background noise of the fan would just fuck up the microphone so that's why it yeah. took me a while to i think it's get into doing that the obedience is definitely one of those areas that i think is 
you feel the mechanics a lot more than you did back in 2006 where i think in yes. 2006 it was a really impressive like whoa you're like wow the dog can actually hear me versus it, the yeah, facade like, of like oh it's interpreting via algorithm my voice yeah, in order to now we're <laughs> in a world with where everyone has siri on their phone and everyone's yeah. doing voice commands all over the place that you know i think it's less impressive now but i mean 2011 i guess siri wasn't synonymous with sure everyone. maybe but um, um, yeah, certainly in 2020, it's less impressive. It, it's still cool, though, right? Like, I, I still enjoy, like, saying all these commands in a row. Yeah. So the one that always messed me up was Play Dead, because every time I said it, he just wouldn't listen to me, or, like, the intonation on it would be somewhat different. And I clearly remember that being an issue in the old game as well. Play Dead, for whatever reason, was always a problem. And I was thinking I should probably change that to something else, because I don't know if you can. Can you go in and edit your commands um so you can't edit it you just forget the move and relearn it i see okay um, which i had to do for a couple i think um but yeah and i i always found the toughest one in obedience is holding the moves for i think initially yes. it's five seconds then seven seconds i think it goes up to as high as 15 seconds by the jesus top. man um so I, I only got to like the second or third best competition in obedience and yeah that was the one i got the furthest in as well i kept messing up on even like the seven second one it'd be like they'd get to six seconds and then just stand up from sitting up or sitting down or something it's like, oh, and yeah i looked it up and you just kind of have to reinforce it and then you have the pressure to like make it all back in the final freestyle round because you haven't done it long enough yeah yeah. i was never able to make do enough impressive moves to ever make up enough in the freestyle round really yeah i i did it a couple of times for sure there was one round where i was a bit behind and i didn't get the full hold on the play dead and then at the end i was like spin jump uh roll over say please and like back to back ones you have to do ones that you haven't been first of all i think it's better to do ones that are more impressive like later down the line ones but also ones that you haven't been told to do already so if the game has told you to do roll over don't do roll over because you'll get less points because you've already shown that trick right um and it's also easier to do them if they're already so say you are doing stand up it's better to do sit then stand then legs up then cheer like do all of those back to back because they're it's much quicker for the animation to take place for the dog to get from one stage to the yeah, next yeah um yeah so that makes sense um, so yeah cool and then more to say on competitions uh well there's a frisbee right which you know we tried to practice in the park and and got a bit tricky um you have other items in this game as well to practice with one of which is the boomerang which i found really fun to just throw about um but i don't think my dog ever really got good at catching a boomerang and i don't know how much that impacts their ability in the frisbee throwing competition if like it improves some of their oh, like catching point. skill or all yeah. that type of thing um but there was definitely like it was the competition i found the hardest to do just because i was so unmotivated to go on walks and find empty parks that just making any progress in the frisbee was just an annoyance to me more so than anything else which sucks because it was one of the more fun games in the original uh, to engage with so yeah i got fairly far in it and as you said i'd practice for like quite a bit get back to the competition and then abby would almost like forget everything that she was doing well in the park <laughs> and like, yeah it was like oh here we go um yeah i i I really struggled and i think maybe abby isn't the most athletic breed perhaps but um, okay yeah i don't know it it was fine and i don't know if the first game had like those circles where if you do it in the circle no i believe those are additional things for this game for bonus points so 
how innovative to add some circles oh, with yes. points. You know what reminds I think that kind of mechanic was in Wii Sports Resort as well with yeah. Frisbee. Um, so again, like you really see some of this late Wii era influence on this game. That, there is a real Wii Sports vibe to Nintendogs in general, kind of, where it is like this. Yeah, but I think the first game was far more distinctive. Like it felt like it had its own identity, where this one feels like some of its identity has been stripped away and replaced with Mii's and Woohoo yes. Island vibes and a lot of stuff that was, I guess you know you think about the transition that nintendo made from the wii and the ds to the 3ds and the wii u and it was all about maintaining a lot of these things that had made them successful yeah and so i think they felt that need to put in me's and to put in all these i mean what things. if the original nintendogs was the first game to actually be set on woohoo island there was don't know we just never found out yeah, yeah. who knows um, um i don't yeah, think so because like that neighborhood looked more like a kind of generic town <laughs> versus yeah. this one which feels far more um kind of inspired by that that nintendo stuff yeah yeah no totally um so yeah any more to say on those competitions i don't think so i think they are like your bread and butter it's how you're going to make money throughout the game right right? so one of the things you can do is you can kind of cheese it by saving before you do a competition because you're going to do two a day so if you royally fuck up in the obedience trial you're like i just turn the ds off and go again the other thing we have to bring up with the obedience trial is the ar cards right because for whatever reason you have to use the built-in or the the ar cards that come with the system you have to use it there's no option yeah there is no option um and obviously at this point in my life i don't know where the fuck my ar cards are (laughs) i'm in london they're probably in edinburgh in a drawer somewhere right and so me and bally are like going on the internet trying to find like replica (laughs) ar cards and this dumb thing about it right if you do it on a computer screen the dog is going to pop out of the bottom of the AR card. So if you're facing a computer screen, you're looking down top view, like helicopter view on top of the dog instead of seeing it. I mean, I had my laptop, so I could kind of angle my laptop in a sure. funny way to make it a little better. But I see what yeah. you're saying about a screen just facing you. Yeah, and that's what I had for the most part. What? I did try and put it on my phone, and then I realized my phone would go to sleep halfway through, and so it would disappear and then mess up my tricks. So I had to set my phone settings to not go to sleep after 30 seconds, and then I had, like, the Mario card on my phone. So I could treat it more like you would with a traditional AR card where it's on the table and you're looking down on it. Um, but it just feels like such an unnecessary thing and absolutely a symptom of this being a launch game, once again. Like, I think that is... Like if you say anything about Nintendo Plus Cat, it is like launch, launch, launch. That is everything surrounding every design decision that was made. Um, all the stuff to do with it. Uh, because I don't think a game that had come out, say, three years into the 3DS's lifespan would have had any of that stuff in it. Um, no. It wouldn't have made sense by that point in time. Um, no. Everyone lost their AR cards fairly yeah. fast. And I like those mini games, right? I, re- I remember the ones with the, the targets dragon. where you would go around and look around the environment. And it was really cool because 3D was so fresh and different back then that people were like, whoa, this is amazing. And you obviously the weak launch lineup for 3DS generally meant that you were playing Face Raiders a bit and you were using the AR cards and you were making pictures and drawing 3D images and taking 3D pictures and those types of things. But um, but yeah, Nintendogs didn't didn't really need this and it kind of again it kind of strips away some of that personality and identity that i think the original game had when you did a competition because you were almost in a room in a space that existed versus now it's just generic curtains being pulled back on the dog in your real world with a 
bloody annoying horn every time you start that contest it drove me yeah. nuts the horn is like Meh. i also wondered how much the sound from the game itself bled towards the microphone and making the decision of when to start saying it after the bleep happens yeah you gotta be super clean and str- like straight after the announcement almost don't you yeah um so it's not great and yeah i think it it feels a bit neutered as a result of having to use those but that was a that was a trip like realizing like oh god i literally have to go onto the internet and find fake ar cards so i could play this game uh it's it's a real thing and it makes you just remember like what the launch of 3ds was like uh honestly very very funny um so, so yeah, other elements of the game is... So one of the things I wanted to touch on, which I didn't engage too much in, and I think it's a symptom of... It, this one of these systems that would work really well in the original game, but doesn't in this one because of the grindy nature of acquiring items when you're going on walks, is the crafting system. And so there's a shop you can go to, which is a second-hand shop, where you basically give him leather or metal or rubber, all these elements that you can find in presents as you go around the world, and you have to have a certain number of them in order to craft stuff. So you could craft a helicopter. Um, I managed to craft a keyboard where you can play the Mario theme on the keyboard, and you can treat it like a mini kind of thing where your animals listen to it, and they'll they'll meow and bark along to the sounds as you play. But you get these objects by going on walks and getting presents. Now, if you went on a walk and you could get seven or eight in a row like you did in in, uh, the DS game, that'd be great because then you could get like loads of materials and you'd be building them up consistently and you'd be able to get a bunch of stuff to craft with. It feels like this was put in there as an extra grind, right? As something to, to aim towards because the game knows that it doesn't have that much content and so it kind of makes you do this stuff again and again in order to go on like 25 walks to eventually have enough materials to then you can get the helicopter and then you can take it around your room and it's really fun um i like the idea fundamentally how do you feel about it bally i just think it's the the execution here doesn't quite work because of the lack of like availability for some of these resources yeah it's fine It's, it's the difference between kind of finding cool items versus I guess finding lots of smaller parts to craft and building cool items. Because in some senses, it like takes away from the excitement of finding a present. If it's like, oh, it's a piece of leather, it's like, okay, sure. Yeah, like, yes, I needed one more piece of leather to make my yeah. helicopter, and I like, I did eventually make a helicopter, and the helicopter is cool, and I like flying it around. Uh, but ye- and it's a good way of getting a cool item without spending money. Like, it's a separate right. system, so that's fine. But again, you could just find a gift as it were. So it seems like a very strange thing for them to add to this game um, when I think it's maybe... A bit, like, it's one aspect where I think the original game is stronger if you look at the way the walks are structured um, and the way that you can find cool items like... A Mario Kart and yeah. was, the Mario Kart you were always more likely to find uh top tier items the further you were from your house and like yes, that was a yeah. cool um thing to work towards because even when you could walk maybe a middle distance but not a long distance you could specifically go far from your house just to go past a present that could hopefully be a Mario Kart and come back um so there was a lot more strategy in that sense to it and working out how am i going to use this walk whereas in this game as we've said the crafting the walking finding empty parks the training it all just falls a bit flat 
Yeah, definitely. And I think it's just because it's kind of paper thin uh, comparatively. Um, uh, and yeah, and then like, you know, you have your, your tasks of like, you feed your dogs and your cats and you, you get them some nice biscuits and things. And I think it probably helps in terms of the obedience stuff. It it kept after I had been practicing and like saying, okay, do this trick, then this trick, then this trick. After you do like six or seven in a row, it starts flashing the biscuit icon next to your dog to be like, okay, this is a good time to feed them, to reward them for what they've done, right? So you would kind of almost log their progress. Like if you feed, feed them a biscuit. Yeah, yeah like reinforcing it. Yeah. reinforce it and be like yes this is good keep doing this type of deal um which i thought was a neat way of of kind of improving their skill to some degree um but but yeah the, I, I think like the cleaning mini game is just the exact same there's not much to it um you just put a bunch of shampoo if they're dirty it's all like black shampoo and it just goes really uh dark and then you wash it off and they're shiny clean again and it's yeah just feeding them and doing that stuff just feels like busy work that doesn't and it's the same you know as you did back then but again some of the novelty is worn off it feels like okay every time i log on to this game they're famished and they're parched and i have to feed them and i have to wash them um because if you leave it too long yeah i guess kind of like animal crossing they start to get flies or whatever and and that will start to set in so or they might have rolled in three puddles on the last what you were unable to avoid and you wanted to go into competition and now you're yes washing them and And it doesn't take long like i'm I'm not gonna complain about it that much but it's another one of those things that when i was younger in 2006 it was like this is cool i'm washing my puppy and this is fun and now i'm like I just want to enter this competition and get the yeah. money. <laughs> <laughs> Go with cash and get out of here. Um, I mean, up to a point, right, I didn't feel that motivated um, by getting a new room or whatever, right? Like, it, it's not it's not the same kind of feeling. No, I I just wasn't feeling it generally. I agree. I was just... I, I think if we liked the game more, maybe we would, we would be more inclined to do that. But I think just the nerfing of all these different elements made it so that even the cool stuff like the robo puppy or even the mario karts that are in this game i wasn't invested enough in order to go after them whereas with the first one because i was so invested in it because i did care about walking and and doing the competition so much it wasn't necessarily it wasn't just a means to an end right it wasn't just getting money for the sake of just playing the game it was more like i want to do it so that i can then get this cool place and also we were both really into it so it was kind of competitive element of like oh i was probably going to get the space room before i do i want to get it so he doesn't have it you know um yeah well i mean so. one thing this game does add uh is you can now buy furniture and put it in yeah. your house yeah um the furniture is very expensive um uh-huh. i bought like one bookshelf and put it in my house it looks really cool um i also bought like the fairy tale looking design which looks nice i also got like the free japanese one and there's other some other asian themed one that mm-hmm. i didn't buy and they look fun and it's cool but yeah again it's like that was a lo- that was a lot of contests just to get that damn bookshelf <laughs> like, totally I, a lot of effort that you not put in yet. there um that that yeah probably i think one of the other things right is we are playing this on a time schedule and i think we both started it a little late and forgetting that nintendogs is kind of one of those games that you should just check in a little bit with daily and you I, yeah it's probably bad to kind of do what we did and and not so rush through it but like try and play as much as possible before we're gonna talk about it right yeah and we debated like pushing this discussion till 
two weeks time and yes. i think we both came to the conclusion i can't take another two weeks of this like i just yeah basically I, we, we, I, I think we came it. to the conclusion that i don't think our thoughts would change on it significantly yeah. if we did that if i was enjoying it a bit more i would have completely been up for another two weeks check in daily get my contest i could have got more cool rooms more cool furniture maybe even get the robo well maybe not that far but like yeah just do get more stuff and that that progression loop i just wasn't feeling at all with this game in the same way i was with the first game yeah um so any other thoughts uh on nintendogs plus cats bali um um it's just a bit disappointing because i think we were both really excited to yeah no game. for sure and there's some cool stuff in there i think as we said the animations are just really well done the sound design is really well done it's a it's a really cute game um yeah but it's a worse game than the first game um yeah. quite considerably and those things when you're talking about playing it over a long period of time a little bit every day it's those little things that start eating away at you and you think oh yeah. this is not worth it like i this could be a lot smoother definitely um i uh i really wish i i just kind of i would like for nintendo to come back to this ip at some point right i'm a yes. little shocked that they haven't done this as one of their mobile games honestly because it is like custom made for touchscreen um it is the, the original game was like based around the touchscreen phones also have microphones in them as well yeah. so like it's custom made for checking in constantly as well and just all yeah. these things so opposed to like trying to ham fist fucking terrible mario kart game into mobile which i get like it's a big ip it's gonna make them a lot of money Nintendogs has a lot of nostalgia for people, right? Like, there are so many people who picked up DSs and played this franchise back in the day who, if Nintendo put out an official sanctioned Nintendog sequel on phones, would bring in masses, I imagine. Didn't, and, like, think um, about the microtransactions they could do in terms of, like, buying cosmetics for your pets and stuff like that. It's, it is really custom-made for that design, which kind of shocks me that they just haven't done it yet. I think they got some like crazy big names for a lot of the touch generation stuff, including the like Nintendo. Beyonce, right? Beyonce like... definitely advertised this with a pink uh, DS Lite. I seem to remember. And, yeah, like that's huge. Just like, and obviously, I think Beyonce was maybe even bigger back then. To be honest, like big names for sure. Um, so, so I feel like even if they did a Switch game, right? Like even if they decided they were going to come in and 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 revamp the franchise what about that that horrendous uh phrase that's becoming more popular on mobile and switch yeah yeah i don't <laughs> although know. nintendo have said like they're gonna kind of wrap up some of the mobile offerings aren't they yeah i just i think there is a lot you can do with this right i think some franchises we talk about with nintendo is like well what are they gonna do to change it like there's so much you can do with nintendogs and yeah. even adding other animals not just cats like what you know they could do some fun things like putting nintendo uh characters in there like here's a yoshi that you have to look after now as well stuff like that um and and creating new ideas for competitions and and different ways in which you can interact and and do stuff because there's definitely there's it feels like a very conservative sequel um and like regressive in a lot of ways so there's so much scope for what they could do potentially yeah I think um, after 2011, if you'd said we'd got we would get to 2020 and not have another entry at all in Nintendogs, I think we'd both be very shocked because at the time, well, at 20 in 2011 it wasn't a very big deal, but in 2006 it was like this is huge. This is a system selling game, and 
I still think there's a large market for cute animals, especially for something like a mobile or a switch market, as you've said. Totally. Um, so we didn't get too many emails uh, on this topic. Uh, I guess people uh, didn't want to play the game, and that made sense once I started playing it. It's like, well, you maybe made a good decision for not uh, playing it alongside us, I guess, because there's not much here. Um, we did get a kind of a memory of the original game from Kevin on Discord, if you want to read that ballet. Yes, Kevin says, I distinctly remember Nintendogs being the game my sister bought a DS for, and later, once I traded in my original for a DS Lite, she gave the game and her DS to me once she stopped playing it. I've actually found I prefer the original DS over the Lite model because it's much more comfortable in the hands, and I prefer the clicky buttons. I distinctly remember Emery Zed being the opposite and liking the squishy buttons of the Lite. Very true. Love squishy buttons. I remember Nintendogs was a really cool way to demonstrate the DS to people who hadn't ever heard of it. Petting your dog by touching the screen, tell your dog to roll over or to sit through the voice commands never worked consistently for me. Uh, I also remember unlocking a Mario Kart RC car in the game and driving it around feeling very special. The game is one of the most DS-centric games in my eyes. Yeah, and I think that kind of echoes a lot of our feelings in terms of, hey, it was a it was a game that was defined by the system it was on, and so when they moved it over to the next system, it had a lot of those things kind of brought over from, from the game design. Um, and like the thing about 3ds is that it didn't in the long run really lean that much on two screens a lot of the time it didn't lean that much on the microphone or 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 even the touchpad um it those were there as a result of kind of grandfathered elements so that you could play old ds games more so than anything else because the 3ds just kind of became its own thing and it did have 3d a lot of the times but eventually it was just a platform for like good video games right that didn't necessarily engage with a lot of these extraneous elements i mean the the extra screen almost is became important for all those fire emblem games for example that just had a lot more stats and things on the bottom screen that just really made the whole experience very clean very clear um and it's particularly for me that like i absolutely loved kind of birthright and awakening and conquest like those those are my favorite fire emblem games because they're so clear to someone who isn't always on top of the stats and having that space yeah. on the bottom screen as well for like maps and games like ocarina of time 3d you know like it just really inventory management that inventory type of thing. management it's like really good stuff for all that and you're right experiences like the touch generation games and like nintendogs were really few and far between in comparison yeah and that's why it kind of feels like a relic or a holdover it's it's yeah trying to straddle two generations right like it's trying to bring over this audience they had on ds while not really kind of you know doing anything else to extend itself past what its capabilities were originally um yeah so so yeah, Nintendo Plus Cats. Um, I'm glad we played it just to know, I guess, more than anything. Like from a historical curiosity standpoint, I was, um, I just wanted to kind of get to it. But uh, it's a shame. It's a shame it didn't live up to expectations. Hey, that's how it goes sometimes. I feel like this is the first backlog club where we've been not like severely negative but like not coming out of it being like that was great to revisit this classic game you know yeah i think we went in like hopeful this could be really great hopefully um and then it just wasn't i feel like another game that we kind of went in well i was very confident and you were maybe less confident with something like wave race and you came away from it being like yeah that's actually really cool kind of wave race 64 is a great game yeah like really really good So, so i think 
yeah i think we're, there's other games we've gone into where we're like this is probably going to be very good like a minish cap perhaps and we both yeah. came away pretty damn positive on that game but yeah it's nice to mix it up with the backlog clubs sure <laughs> interesting stuff uh, uh, at the very least so that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I was going to say watching. I mean, you technically could do if you're on YouTube and just staring at the the logo on the screen as the, the audio it's plays. Great logo. Um, great logo. Uh, but yes, you can find us all over the place uh, on the internet. Um, and, and we do lots of different things. We have a Patreon, which is one of those fun things. And uh, if you go to patreon.com slash this Nintendo Life for $1, you can uh, get our bonus show, This Nintendo Life, where we talk about non-tendo video games we just had our episode for august um which uh, we talked about ghost of tsushima and some other fun things so you can check that out for a dollar over there and we'd like to thank some of our patrons as well bally thank you to all of our patrons but especially to our ten dollar tier patrons they are atari alex thomas matthew and my fiance caroline thank you all for your support and yes we will have another episode of this nintendo life coming out in september which is quite a way away so hopefully a lot of news is going to drop before then maybe we'll know the prices of those consoles at that point who knows uh, it's a fun time yes um we are on uh, social media on twitter uh, mainly uh, i am at lord nbz uh, where can they find you bally i'm on twitter at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 um i need to send you a picture nbz to make uh-huh a, a meme so i've got a meme it. idea um that is going to be fun so i'll post that maybe it'll be up by the time this goes up who knows we'll see uh and uh, and yeah you can follow the podcast at tnl podcast on twitter which has links to our discord to our youtube channel um all this stuff uh, in the description of, of the show as well but uh go check that out uh we can be found all over the place we're on spotify we're on stitcher we're on uh, apple podcasts and as we said at the top of the show itunes reviews slash apple podcast reviews uh really would be appreciated at this point in time it would be great if you can write one just write a few lines and say this show is the greatest thing ever made by human uh kind uh you know just you know because you all think that obviously right like clearly that's uh what this show is um that would be great uh we'd really appreciate that so so head on over there if you can and um and yeah that's probably gonna close things out um we think about doing another backlog club for for this year it's getting to the end and we'd only done one so we feel like we should probably do another one so we'll have a think it's not the end of it it's the middle of august i know but like it feels like when you get to august i'm like all right the year's done now almost you know <laughs> like i i have that feeling even though we have a lot of time there is like a video game feeling of we're getting we're getting into like you know the heavy releases come out in like september october november and then yeah. you just in so many releases ahead of sort of game of the year discussions end of the year discussions that um I can appreciate it. it does feel like the end of the year, middle yeah, of August. Definitely. We'll see. Uh, anyway, that is going to close us out. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with some more podcasting, some more video games, some more Nintendo. Until then, thanks very much, and we will see you soon. Bye-bye, folks.
The musical interlude used on today's episode was Beginning from Castlevania 3, the Japanese version, copyright Konami, 1989. 176, right? 176. Okay. 3, 2... Claps. Claps. Ready to clap? That's what I was counting down to. 3, 2, 1, clap. Do not clock that. Your 3, 2, 1 for the starting of the show versus clap sounds distinctly different, so don't play that (laughs) card with me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, you ready? Three, two, one.